Scripture reading today is from the book of Mark, uh, chapter 23. Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they were crucified. There they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true, and it's given to us in love. Well, good morning. As I mentioned several weeks ago, each of our friends bring out a different aspect of our personality. For example, whenever I get around my buddies from UNC, you would see the goofy, silly side of me. I know it's hard to imagine, but it's true. And if you get around, if I'm around my seminary buddies, you see a little more of my philosophical, serious side. And my guess is that is true for all of you as well, that all of your friends bring out different aspects of your personality. And Tim Keller says, if this is true about an individual, how much more would this be true of Jesus Christ? So during the six-week series, we're looking at different friends of Jesus so that we might grow in our understanding of who our Savior is and so that our hearts might fall deeper in love with him. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus's friendship with Levi. And through their interaction, we learn that Jesus moves toward the very people that we tend to move away from, the so-called outcasts in society. And then last week, Daniel invited us to look at Jesus' friendship with Judas, where we saw how long-suffering Jesus' love is for those who betray him, and how Jesus calls us to open our hearts up And to forgive those who have hurt us. And this morning we're looking at Jesus' friendship with the criminal on the cross. And from their interaction, I want to focus on two things this morning. The first is the amazing grace of God. And then secondly, the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask Holy Spirit that you would come. 
Or that you would take this very familiar passage and that our hearts would be open anew and afresh. That you would capture us anew and afresh this morning. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So if you have your bulletins, you can turn to the passage or you can look in Luke chapter 23. And the first thing that I want us to consider as we look at this relationship, this friendship between Jesus and the criminal on the cross is the amazing grace of God. And one of my favorite World War II movies is Saving Private Ryan. It's the story of a battalion that's sent in and they're supposed to go and rescue Private Ryan because all of his brothers have died and get him out of Europe so he can go back home. Now, at the end of the movie, there's a scene where a much older Private Ryan goes to Normandy, France, and to the cemetery there. And he and his family, they gather, and all these white crosses are there. And he walks up to the crosses of the men who died in order to save him. And this is what he says. He says, I have tried to live my life the best I could. I hope that was enough. I hope at least in your eyes I have earned what all of you have done for me. And then with tears streaming down his face, he looked at his wife. And he said, tell me I have led a good life and that I'm a good man. And she tries to reassure him, saying, yes, you are. But you can tell by the pained look on his face that he's still not quite sure he had done enough to warrant such a sacrifice. When I watched that scene, I couldn't help but identify with the questions he was asking. Private Ryan, like so many of us, believe that it is our good works that make us worthy of being saved. But the truth of this passage is that it's not about our works at all. It is by grace that we have been saved. If you look in verse 32, Luke introduces us to two criminals who were crucified alongside of Jesus Christ. One on his left and one on his right. Now there's been much debate about the identity of these men and the nature of their crimes. But most scholars now agree that these two men were not petty criminals. But instead, like Barabbas, who the crowds wanted to release instead of Jesus, they were freedom fighters. Their crime was fighting against Roman oppression in an effort to set the Jews free. We would liken them to William Wallace and Braveheart, who fought for Scotland's freedom. Or Martin Luther King Jr. who stood up against white supremacists. Or Moses who stood up to Pharaoh on behalf of the Jews. Or Daniel who dared to speak the truth to King Nebuchadnezzar. These two men believed that the Messiah would come and defeat Romans' oppression with violence. Therefore, they used violence to try and overthrow the government. Only to be caught And crucified alongside Jesus Christ. Who Pilate himself had declared innocent 
of any crimes against the state. Now, one of the freedom fighters was full of cynicism toward Jesus. He had once believed wholeheartedly in this cause against Roman tyranny. But now as he was suffering on the cross for everyone to see, he begins to doubt the legitimacy of his cause. And he turns to Jesus and he rails against him. He says, if you are God, which I don't believe you are, then surely you would save yourself and us. But you do absolutely nothing. And therefore, we are all going to die. But then Luke tells us that there's another criminal on the cross to his right. And he looks at his friend and he flat out rebukes him. He says to him, and I'm paraphrasing here, are you crazy? Have you forgotten who you are and who created you? Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Now, interestingly, I've always read this passage and I've read it through the lens that they were petty criminals and that they were getting their just deserves for the murders that they had committed and the, the theft that they had committed. But now that I understand it through the, the eyes of freedom fighters, this criminal on the cross was not confessing his sin against Rome because he believed that his cause against Rome and everything he had done was just. No, this second man, he was confessing his cosmic guilt before God. The criminal on the cross, he knew the law. And he knew that no one was perfect except for God. And he knew that no matter how many good works he had accomplished in his life, they were filthy rags in the face of God's holiness. Therefore, he says to his friend, we are both sinful men in the sight of God. We both <clears throat> stand condemned. And we both are deserving of death even death on a cross. But this man, Jesus, who is hanging between us, he's done nothing wrong. He does not bear any civic guilt or cosmic guilt. He is perfect in every way. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And he does not deserve to die. This criminal demonstrates one of the greatest acts of faith displayed anywhere in God's word. I mean, think about it for a moment. Others had professed faith in Jesus because they had seen him perform miracles. They had heard him teach. But this criminal is looking at Jesus hanging on a cross getting ready to die. His disciples had abandoned him. And yet this criminal sees the truth that Jesus Christ 
is the Messiah. And so this criminal turns and says to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus, knowing that salvation is not based on this man's work, but instead based on his life, death, and resurrection, says to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Salvation is the unmerited gift of God. The good news of the gospel is that we are saved based on not anything that we've done or anything we're doing or anything we will do. We don't stand like Private Ryan before the cross and have to wonder, did we do enough good things? We don't have to wonder if we're a good man or a good woman or a good child worthy of being saved. The truth of this passage is that none of us are good enough in and of ourselves, to be saved. We all stand condemned. But because of Jesus Christ, the righteous one who hung on a cross and died and was raised again, those of us who profess faith in him are clothed in his righteousness. We are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Paul says it this way in Romans 8, There is therefore now no condemnation For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. On this Easter morning, I can't help but think of the hymn Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Twas grace that brought us safe, thus far, and grace will lead us home. So I wonder this morning, as all of you sit before the cross that is behind me, do you know that it is by grace that you've been saved? Do you know this morning that you can stop working so hard to prove to God that you are worthy of Jesus Christ's sacrifice? Do you know that your greatest works are filthy rags? Do you know the good news that is by grace that we have been saved through faith? And this is not of our own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that none of us can boast. Through this friendship with the criminal and Jesus, we see God's amazing grace. And we can rest in him today. So the first thing we see is 
God's amazing grace. And the second thing we see through this friendship is the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. On Thursday morning, I was actually sitting in my chair at home typing the sermon. And I get a call <coughs> from Charlie. Charlie is the son of Chuck, who are my neighbors. And Charlie called and said, um, Todd, dad's asking for you. You need to get to the hospital. I think he only has a couple hours to live. And I immediately said, I'm on my way. And I have to admit, I've never been with someone who passed. And so anxiety started to fill my heart. I immediately sent a text to the prayer team asking them to pray for me and for the family. And as I was walking up to Wesley Long, I was nervous. And I walked into the room and saw Chuck, who had been battling lung cancer for the past four years with a mask over his face. He could barely breathe. And I took him by the hand and he looked at me, not with fear, but said, I didn't think it would happen this quick, Todd. And the family and I were all gathered around him. And he struggled. Death is an awful thing, and it's a beautiful thing. The nurses gave him some morphine, and that calmed him a little bit. And then they gave him some more morphine, and that calmed him a little bit more. And he was able to tell all of us in the room that he loved us, And we wept and we laughed, strangely enough, at different times. And then he said, I'm tired. And we looked at him and said, you fought the good fight, Chuck. It's time. It's time for you to go be with Jesus. And so the nurse came in and gave him a morphine drip. And he leaned back. And a peace came over him. As he slept. And what seemed like an eternity to me, but it was only 10 minutes or so, I just stood there and the family stood there. We were quiet. And I was praying. And you know what? The Holy Spirit kept telling me again and again and again. Truly today, Chuck, you will be with me in paradise. This is our hope. Chuck died at 12.50 on Thursday afternoon. But I believe with all of my heart that right now, he is with Jesus Christ. And he's never been more alive. This was true for the criminal on the cross. This is true for Chuck. This is true for all of us who have lost loved ones. And this is true for every one of us who profess faith in Christ. Because every one of us is going to be lying in that bed one day. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, yes, he died 2,000 years ago. But the good news of the gospel is that on Easter Sunday... When Mary Magdalene got to the tomb, it was empty. 
And she panicked in that moment. She thought someone had stolen his body. And so she ran as fast as she could to get Peter and John. And she brought them back to the tomb. And they looked and his linen cloths were lying there, but there was no body. And so they left. And Mary stood there crying and she looked into the tomb and she saw two angels, one sitting at the head and one sitting at the foot. And they looked at her and with a kind of quizzical look, like, why are you crying? And she said, they've taken his body and I don't know where he's gone. And then she turns around and she sees what she appears to be in a gardener. And she looks at him and he says to her, Mary, why are you crying? And she says, if you've taken his body, tell me so I can go and get him. And bring him back. And he looked at her and said the word Mary. And her eyes were opened. And she screamed, Rabboni, teacher. Jesus Christ was standing before her. And he is alive. That is the message of Easter. That is our hope in the face of difficulties and death. Jesus Christ is alive. And so all who profess faith in him, though we will die, we will live eternally. Because like the criminal on the cross, We will hear the words, today you will be with me in paradise. This morning, I hope that you find great comfort from Jesus' friendship with the criminal on the cross. We can stop trying to earn our salvation and asking the question, did I do enough? Am I good enough? Because the answer is absolutely Not. But Jesus is good enough. And his work on the cross is sufficient. And we are made right through his work on the cross. And when death comes for us, which unless Jesus comes back, it will come for every one of us in this room. We can rest assured That like Chuck, when he breathed his last breath on this earth, he breathed his first breath as he fell into the arms of Jesus Christ. And he will be with him forever and we will be with him forever. We're right behind him. And I look forward to the day where I get to hear his voice again. I get to see him. And I'm sure you look forward to the day when you get to see your loved ones again. Because one day, Jesus Christ will come back. He will consummate his kingdom. He will make all things new. And we will live with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Christ lived. Christ died. Christ is risen today. Hallelujah. What a Savior.
Amen.